Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, everyone. You know the guest of today's flashback episode from Jane the Virgin, Diary of a Future President, I Want You Back, and a lot more. Here's Gina Rodriguez. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Will you tell us about everything in your life, like marriage during quarantine, directing, what scares you? I want to cover the whole thing. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, every single thing scares me. A big loaf of bread scares the shit out of me because gluten does terrible things to my stomach, but I'll eat the whole damn thing. My husband is the same way, and it does feel like there's tragedy in this. 100% there's tragedy in it. I do want to talk to you about gluten, but I also want to talk to you about your wedding and marriage during quarantine. Will you tell us how you met your husband, like the whole deal? So my incredible partner, Joe, he came on Jane. He was on Jane the Virgin season three. He played Don Quixote, the stripper that my mom hires to surprise me. So the whole thing is like a big comedic farce of like, oh, Jane would never like a stripper. And then I ended up marrying him. But he came, he played Don Quixote. He was incredible, very quiet, very shy. I'm quite literally the opposite. Me too. Yeah, I love them all shy. Let me just open you up. Yeah, so he was super shy and really didn't do much in terms of like trying to get us to a date. So I was much more flirtatious. We didn't really do anything that first time while he was shooting Jane. Six months later, I came back from shooting a movie called Annihilation where I'd shaved my head and put on a bunch of traps. So I went back to the gym to kind of like get back to normal Jane before we went back into season four. And he was at the boxing gym. And then he was at the boxing gym the following day. And then the next day. And then the next day. And then finally, I was just like, hey, dude, what are you doing here? Like, what are you doing at this gym? Where do you live? And he was like, oh, I live on the West Side. I was like, so what are you doing here? And he was like, well, I also box. And I was like, so when are you going to ask me out? He's like, right now. I love it. Wait, was that sort of the flow? Tell me about the nerves. I mean, I have no nerves when it comes to like partners. If I'm attracted to somebody, I'm not super afraid of approaching them. Because I actually desire somebody to love me back. So if you aren't interested in me, it doesn't hurt my feelings. I would prefer the reciprocal, right? But I've never really been like afraid to approach a human that I was attracted to. I feel like you are not a game player then. No, I've actually just recently started reading this book, How to Do the Work by Nicola Perla. She is a holistic psychologist and she talks about emotional manipulation and how we do it so unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And so I've been kind of like deconstructing that in general about like guilt when you're like guilting somebody. How you think you're just kind of like, no, I just kind of want you to come instead of just asking for specifically what you want and they can say yes or no. So manipulation is not fun. 
What qualities in you would you say you inherited from your parents? I would say that, like, my father is super headstrong, super positive thinker, all about working with the voices in his head. Since I was younger, pre-having any kind of exposure, my father, to, like, mental health or knowledge of mental health, because we come from very traditional Latino family, he was discussing this idea of, like, the thoughts you put in your head or who you are and how you respond to the world, so put in positive thinking. And, like, you know, he was all about honesty and transparency way before it was, like, part of this new wave psychology. He's been talking like this since I can remember. So I would say like from him, I definitely was empowered to go after what I want as an athlete though. So you compete to win, but you do it fairly. You don't cheat because that's not a win. Oh, completely. Yeah. That has actually carried me into our industry where there is no competitiveness with any of my fellow artists. If there is competitiveness, it's with myself and how much more I can prepare, if anything. And and again, I wouldn't even call it competitiveness. I would call it preparation. Understanding that like my journey is just my own and no one else's and really no one else can interfere with it, nor should I with anyone else's. So that kind of justice of like athleticism, sportsmanship kind of carried me into this. And it's a relationships. In my 20s, I think I battled with my jealousy. Probably 30s, maybe some now. But I like to think it's a gift that age gives you a little bit is shedding some of that as your brain cells die. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, they just die along with the brain yeah. cells. But it turns out the jealous ones died first. But were you like that growing up? Did you ever get sort of consumed by a jealousy that extended itself towards other people? Or did you always kind of have that wisdom where you were able to keep all that at bay? You know, honestly, like if I'm to deconstruct it, I think the wisdom is just starting to come in, in the sense of like, if you were to deem it wisdom and what it was prior was actually, I would say more the odd privilege I had of being an other because there weren't many people that looked like myself. I can imagine and empathize, Anna, with your experience because, you know, being an American woman, you know, a white woman in our industry, you have many more competitors and a lot more roles. Even when I dyed my hair dark, I was going out for way fewer auditions. But you see, like, I think this is a great example of like the fact that your and my experience is just so vastly different. And now we're living in a space where like, the roles can maybe go either way, but you're not wrong. I mean, when I was 19, I'm 37. When I was 19 at NYU and like going out for law and orders or whatever, there was like five of me in a room. And I guess if the perspective was, wow, there's only five of you and there's only one role, you got to like fight for that one role. I just never wanted to put myself in that mental space. I always looked at it as the one that's supposed to be mine will be mine. And I'm not supposed to tell every story. And I can't tell every story. It didn't serve me to do that then. Not saying I was wise because it wasn't wisdom. I wasn't like, oh, this is what's going to be a better experience for me. I was a kid, but I just knew that mentality because there were so few opportunities, that mentality wasn't going to get me very far because I would have given up so quickly then because it was just like, well, listen, there's like three roles in a whole year for a Latina. If you don't get one of them, I'm not going to say I'm screwed. I'm going to say if I don't get one of them, I'm going to try the next year. And now as a producer, instead of there being three opportunities, I'm going to try to maybe expand it to four, five, six, ten, so that we just have more chances. I just think that our journeys were so, so different that we can't ever compare. And that's the reason why you just can't compare to anyone. Our journeys are just so different. You're 100% correct, but it is very admirable. To figure out that living in a space that makes you feel bad 
and wallowing in there, it took me a degree of maturity. I mean, it's a daily reminder. Yeah, I'm not like, you know, levitating over here, but I definitely am aware of it. And that's what I find is the only way to eventually get to where you want is just to be aware. You don't really have to do anything. You just have to like know it exists so that when you see it, you're like, oh, shit, I see you now. I see you envy or jealousy for whatever you may be. And goodbye. When you think of the idea of home, what do you think of? I think of my dogs barking in the morning to whatever is outside, wherever we are at. I think of waking up before my partner because he just never wakes up early, making coffee by myself, and just hearing his snores make me feel so good. And so wherever that's at, that's what home feels like. Will you tell us about like a favorite memory or a favorite restaurant or something amazing about Puerto Rico? Oh. There is a waterfall in the middle of what looks like just like a little town. And it's in San Sebastián. And the place is called Gozalandia. And you're literally like just in like a regular ass town, you know, like random houses, a bodega or whatever. And then you turn down a street and you're in a rainforest and you're walking through this like small path to get to this massive waterfall where they've strung up a string on one of the trees so you can just like dive into the center of the pool of water from the waterfall. And it's just where Mother Nature is like, Psst, I'm still here. <laughs> Y'all try to build on me, but I'm still here. But that's probably one of my favorite places. Or Utuado, which is the jungles of Puerto Rico, right smack in the middle. And you go there and you just believe you are in heaven's waiting room. You're like, oh, this is uh, what heaven's waiting room looks like. And I'm just going to like wait till God shows up, right? Like any minute now? It's magic. Dancing in the streets of Viejo San Juan. Oh, my God. Oh, I mean. I wish you could dance. Maybe you could, like, help me <laughs> swivel my hips someday. And like, oh, God, I bet I you can. could. I would love that so much. I think a lot about the idea of national identity and how it's so very much a part of us in ways that are difficult to shed. You know what? We were recently talking about, like, national identity, too, because we were talking about Puerto Rican cuisine and how— Obviously, we're all talking about wellness and our bodies. And, you know, during the pandemic, it was very much so a collective reflection of like what we're putting in our bodies because we have to try to keep our immune system as strong as possible. And like I have an autoimmune disorder called Hashimoto's disease. So for me, it was just like, how do I protect my body, get my immune system as strong as possible to fight whatever may come, et cetera, et cetera. And so we were just talking about like how so many of the people that we grew up with, again, not to throw like shade or anything, but really identified with being Puerto Rican down to like, I only eat Puerto Rican food and how interesting to like identify yourself so hardcore, like, no, I'm not going to eat anything but Puerto Rican food and how some Puerto Rican cuisine can be really not great for you, as all can be, right? Heavy lard or heavy whatever it might be. But to identify with a culture so much that you're eating foods that do not serve you or your health. I never got a celiac test when I was a kid. You know, like we weren't thinking about that in the 80s. And so just like identifying with a culture to a point where it could not serve you in this particular sense, cuisine, is just very interesting. And so I've been deconstructing that a lot more. The fact that you brought it up is very interesting. This was the first time I started to think about the ways in which I do things that are very specifically like my cultural upbringing. 
and whether they serve me or not. And have I just been doing them because I've been conditioned by this specific culture? I love being Puerto Rican. I love being a part of this culture that is so rich and delicious and just like multi-layered, but it is complicated. It's something that I envy, though. I envy the idea of an identity that is cultural and generational, that's steeped in sort of a unique history. You know, I have like zero allegiances. <laughs> like, let me stand for something. Damn it. No, um, but yeah, no, I hear that. So I do envy you. I guess the jealousy hasn't <laughs> disappeared. Okay, let's get back to the boxing gym. Yeah. So you said, when are you going to ask me out? And he said, right now. Yeah. He said, right now, are you done working out? I was like, yeah, I'm done working out. I need to take a shower though. And he was like, okay, well, I'll shower here. And I was like, I'm not showering in this gym. I'm showering in my place. I had an apartment in Venice at the time. And it was a two bedroom, two bath. And so I was like, I have a second, you know, shower you can use, which was already kind of ballsy. And now that I think about it. I love it. I didn't mean it like sensual. No, no, but you trusted him. I did. Something in him made you feel like, yeah, come over. I think everybody that meets him feels that same sentiment. He's a really good human being. He's living in the now. He is kind to everyone. He's definitely an inspiration for me in living a life that serves me and making decisions that serve me, whether it's like the popular decision or not. He's wonderful. And I did feel very safe. So he came over and we talked for hours on my balcony. And then it was like 7.45 and I had a blind date at 8 p.m. And I have never been on a blind date. This was the one blind date. Who set you up and you couldn't get out of it? My homegirl, Carly, who I love so much, was like, we're getting you on a date. We are finding you a man or a woman, whatever. She's like, we are finding you a bomb-ass partner. And she set up this blind date. And I was like, oh, my God, I got a blind date in 15 minutes at a bowling alley in Mar Vista. So it's like 15 minutes away. I'm going to be late to it already. And he's like, you got a blind date? And I was like, I know. It almost sounds like I'm making it up, but I'm not making it up. I really have a blind date and I don't want to go on it anymore. And he goes, well, go on it. Call me after. And I was like, oh. Oh, confidence. That just was like oozing. Sweet of him, though. I know. It was the move. I was like, okay, that is hot. You got confidence. I went on the blind date, and the first, one of the first things, and definitely the only thing I can remember that this kid said to me was, oh my God, my ex girlfriend is so obsessed with your show. She is going to bug out when she hears I went on a date with you. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, oh my God, I have a great idea. This is what you're going to do. I don't want to be here either. So you're going, I was like, you're going to call your ex and tell her I was on a date with Gina Rodriguez and all I could do was think about you and you're going to get her back. And I'm going to go and call this dude I just met who's just way better than you're at. No kidding. I didn't say all that, but I was like, so that's what you're going to do. Great to meet you. Good luck. I think he got back with his ex. This is amazing. Yeah. Everybody got their hearts, you know, mended. So you went, you called him? And I called him and we FaceTimed for hours after my terrible blind date. And we've been together ever since. And then we got married a week after I married Justin Baldoni on Jane the Virgin. So I got married twice in a week and a half. It was pretty hot. I cried so much during the Jane the Virgin wedding because it was like me saying goodbye to the show. Yes. So I was bawling. Like doing anything in a wedding dress. I think in like Scary oh, Movie yeah. 3, I was in a wedding dress. Oh my God, I forgot how fucking good you were in that movie. 
I feel like I want to watch that immediately now. I don't think you need to. Yes, you know I do. You know I do and you know I will. But yeah, anything in a wedding dress, you're like, you're going to start crying. Yeah. But yes, we shot in chronological order for that last episode. So the last scene was like the last scene we shot. And so it was just like add emotion to everything. And so I was crying like crazy. And my husband was like, if you don't cry as much as you cried at this freaking wedding, he's like, we're going to have a problem. You better bring the tears. And I was like, I will. But my husband cried more than I did at our wedding. It was really precious. Was it a big wedding? No, it wasn't that big. It was in my in-law's backyard. We wanted to do it in our backyard, invite a bunch of people for like a barbecue, and then be like, oh, guess what? You're here for our wedding. And then my mother-in-law, who has two sons, was like, how are you going to do me like that? Don't do me dirty. Like, don't take away. Like, I have two chances. Don't take away my chances. And I was like, you couldn't be more right, mom. And my mother-in-law's the most outstanding woman. Like, she is such an outstanding human being. And I just am so inspired by how, like, badass she is. Like, talk about a matriarch. How fucking rad. Yeah, she's an Italian woman. She's just, like, everything. She is all things in one human being. And I love her so much. So I was like, wonderful. Let's have a wedding. Will you do it for me? And so she put the whole wedding on for us. All I did was pick out my dress and show up. I'm so with you on that. I am not into the details. No, me neither. Oh, I don't care. Like, Joe could have showed up in his joggers because it's literally all he wears. And I would have been like, actually, the funny part is, is that when I met Joe, he had one suit and it was a Calvin Klein suit that he got at Macy's for like 130 bucks. And it's a blue suit. And if you go back on every single red carpet, he is wearing the same blue suit at the SAG Awards, at the Oscars, at the Emmys. I love it. Good for him. And then he wore it to marry me. And he still has the same blue suit. I was like, you have to at least wash this damn suit for our wedding, please, because it is getting stinky. But that's how he rolls. And do you think anybody noticed? Nobody noticed. Nobody ever noticed. No. He looks great in all the pictures. Oh, he's so handsome. I'm like, nobody noticed. He's wearing the same thing every time. How did you guys digest together, like, essentially your first year of marriage being in quarantine? I would say that, you know, it is definitely controversial to say that it was a blessing because we lost a lot of people during COVID. Like, personally, our family didn't. It was very heartbreaking and still very much so is. And the disparities were so, so great, you know. But that being said, there were things that I think came out of the pandemic, like clarity that were needed in allotted spaces, you know, clarity for the way we live life, the way we do certain things, our priorities. And for my husband and I, our entire relationship was while I was shooting Jane. Jane was nine months out of 12 months. We did 22 to 24 episodes a year. Every episode was about 70 pages. And I directed like five of them. It was wild. So it was like, he would see me in the morning before I left. If he's up at 5 a.m., he would see me at night right before I knocked out because it would just be kind of instant. I'd show up and I'd be like, oh, how is your... So during quarantine, we spent the most amount of time we ever had together. And the beautiful blessing was that we really like each other. We really are good friends. And our friendship has just gotten stronger. And we worked really hard on it because we had to. I mean, partnership is interesting because it really is just two people deciding to make choices that benefit themselves and the other person. And it's wild. And so I found someone who chose 
to try with me, to dissect things that were hurtful or to learn to shed old habits, to have a space where we trust each other to look at the habits that we've been doing and to stop doing them. I feel safe that he can turn, point my flaws at me and say, here's a safe space to work on them. Will you tell us about a heartbreak in your life? I always ask about a romantic heartbreak, but I'm also interested in career or friendship or family. Mm. You know, I would say when it comes to career, it's a game. There is no opportunity for heartbreak. I have made mistakes that I have had to learn from and I will continue to learn from them. But when it comes to a project or not doing a project, there is no heartbreak there. I truly believe that like the stories I'm supposed to tell, I will tell. The stories I want to tell, I'll figure out a way to tell them. And I'm really empowered by seeing my fellow sisters tell the stories that I wasn't right for. I had a really bad heartbreak and it was in a relationship that now in retrospect, I think was emotionally abusive. And the reason why it was such a heartbreak was because I fought to keep it. And that's why it's a heartbreak, because I betrayed myself. And that's more heartbreaking than anybody can do to me. You know, because if somebody doesn't want to be with me, that's not a heartbreak to me. I want to be in a reciprocal relationship, in friendships, in career. You know, reciprocity to me is important for like a healthy relationship. You're completely right. And Gina, you don't have to get too specific at all. But did you compromise yourself in ignoring or accepting that behavior? Yeah, I accepted it. I can't lie to myself. It's the real shitty part of myself. It's like the ugliest parts of myself. There's just no lying to myself about it. And so for me, it was just so blatant that this human being was so verbally abusive and just tearing me down at every possibility and every point. And not only was I like, I could get this person to not be this way. I don't deserve this. I could get this person to be nice to me because I'm a nice person and I'll just have to be nicer or better or kinder or give more or... And it became something to win with my emotions at stake. It was like my ego betrayed me. My ego wanted to win (sighs) this human being's kindness that was quite literally an abusive human being who's clearly just sad, clearly just has their own situation to handle. But how I made excuses for the human being, and then how I said I was strong enough to take it. I'm strong enough to handle this. And then when it was all said and done, and he was leaving me walking out the door, and I'll never forget, he put his hand on my lap and he said, don't worry, Gina, you'll find another partner. Don't worry. I had just gotten cast on a TV show that was put on hold and then dropped it Christmas Eve. And he broke up with me like four days after Christmas or something like that in his abusive way because he had broken up with me a lot. He loved me coming back, right? He loved the whatever it was about me coming back to him. He made him feel so good because he was there with his arms open, ready for me to like grovel. I had a boyfriend who sounds very similar to this person. And when I finally broke up with him, he opened up the fridge, he pounded a beer, and then he crushed the can and he threw it against the wall. And he said, you're going to be back here in less than a week. And I was like, okay. And then I left and I remember thinking, I may have kind of thought that on the way over, but if I have any shred of pride left, I cannot be back there ever again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I was drawn to somebody who enjoyed me crawling on back. I know. Low. 
You know how like success is the best revenge or whatever? I'm not into revenge. I don't think revenge is needed. I think life works itself out for you. Like life just works itself out for you. But karma worked so quickly for me. So he pats my leg and he says, don't worry, you'll find another boyfriend. Don't worry, you'll get another show. Because I had just gone through like two days of crying from the show. It was the first show I'd ever gotten cast in as a series regular. And it got canceled. And when I was crying about it, he was like, oh, get over it. I'll never forget him telling me to get over it. And I was like, I will. Let me just get over it. Like, I dated a guy like that, too. (laughs) A guy who would say things like, you're really lucky. Or like, what's the big deal? Oh, yeah, yeah. So he was like, yeah, you'll get another boyfriend. Oh, you'll get another show. About two weeks later, I booked Jane the Virgin. About six months later, my poster was everywhere. But it was really interesting how quickly, like, oh, well, he can eat that shit, he yeah. told me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I don't need anybody. Yo, don't worry, you'll find a boyfriend. I'm like, dude, get out of here. So, Gina, our first call is with Allie. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Allie, hi. Thank you so much for writing to us. Hi, thank you. You're here with Gina. She is rad, and we are excited to talk with you. Will you tell us what's going on? Yeah. So my dad has been talking about going to Ireland for years now and just been asking everyone in our family to go with him. And then finally, he posted something in our family Facebook group. And I finally was like, you know what? If you pay for the tickets, then I'll get the first round at an Irish bar. And five minutes later, he called me and was like, yes, let's do it. I'm buying the tickets. And then told me promptly, like, I was in charge of the itinerary. I had to come up with the lodging, the activities. Like, it was all on me. So I was like, okay, that's fine. But my dad, he's in his mid-70s, not very healthy. So he's had heart issues. He had COVID last year, and he also has sleep apnea, and he doesn't wear his mask. So he gets tired very easily, and he just can't do a whole lot all at once. Just as an example, he visited my sister over Thanksgiving, and that was like a week-long trip, and he was absolutely exhausted afterwards. And the trip that we have planned is for two weeks. 
so after that trip, he was kind of teetering. He didn't know if he wanted to go. Was he saying, I think I'm too tired to go? Or is it going to be too much for me? Yeah. So he basically told me because he was so exhausted on this trip to my sister's house, he didn't want to go to Ireland and just be tired in the hotel or just be taking naps constantly. Oh, can I ask a few questions, Allie? Yeah. Where was the trip to your sister's house? So we live in Maryland and my sister is in New York. Okay. All right. And his mode of transportation was flying there? He flew from Maryland to New York? He actually took the train. We drove him to the train station and then they picked him up. Okay. And what are your father's eating habits? They're not great. (laughs) They're not great at all. When I'm with him, I'm always like, okay, so here's your little unhealthy thing. And then here's a salad and you're going to have a glass of water with, you know, whatever drink you're having. I kind of treat him like a child sometimes because... He kind of acts like that. (laughs) Yeah, well, the transition happens, right? Yeah. My father's in his 70s, 73. It's the strange thing that happens when you start parenting your parents. That's a really weird transition. Yeah. So congrats to you for making that transition and with a smile on your face. Thank you. (laughs) So my question to you is, you want this trip to happen, this Ireland trip to happen? Yes. So I honestly feel like he will regret if he doesn't go and— I've planned it. Like I've got everything planned and I'm really excited. And like, I think he's finally decided that he wants to go, but now I need to like try to figure out how to rearrange some of the plans so that I can like help accommodate. So we both kind of get a good amount of our trip. I've been to Ireland and it is stunning. And I flew into Dublin and I then road tripped with my friend all over, like from Dublin to Calgary. That sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. I drove everywhere. And the roads are so super tiny. And we went during the winter time. So like the sunset at like four o'clock. So you're not doing that, are you, Allie? So you're going to have the time of your life. Yeah, it's going to be wonderful. But what I will say is that, and mind you, I obviously know absolutely nothing about so much, right? So many circumstances. And especially Mm -hmm. when I'm like, you know, asking for advice, I think so many things need to come into play for someone to give like good advice, right? Yeah. So I won't blanket this as good advice. I'll blanket this as like advice based off of lots of assumptions. Mm -hmm. I think you should definitely go, especially because your father's in his 70s. And like he's on that beautiful last 25 years of life, that last chapter, because he's going to live till he's 102. And what you're going to do, if I were you, Allie, not what you're going to do, because you're going to do whatever you want to (laughs) do. What I would do the weeks leading up to Ireland, I would start asking my father to just maybe like once a day take away something that wasn't making him feel good. Maybe just one thing, not everything, Mm -hmm. just like one thing. So it's like, all right, dad, I get it. You're going to eat all of that and you're going to do that thing. But just maybe don't have that one glass of wine so we can have that beer in Ireland. Okay. Maybe don't have that one like Snickers so that we can eat a bunch of potatoes in Ireland and start getting him excited Mm -hmm. about all the things he's going to be able to do in Ireland, right? If he Uh just waits the two weeks to get there. So the two weeks leading up, you're going to have to just take out a few things that we could save for Mm -hmm. Ireland. 
And then I would say, I used to be so upset at my body if it didn't last the whole day. I used to get so mad. I used to be like, why am I tired? Like I would get mad at myself for my body telling it, it needs rest. It needs these certain things. And recently I just started to side with my body. So maybe there's something where you could say, hey, dad, let's nap once a day, every day. Okay. I'm all about napping. Let's nap. You're going to be jet lagged. Yeah, you're going to be jet lagged. You nap. I'm going to read next to you. And every day your body is going to want to nap and we're going to pick the most beautiful place for you to nap in, dad. So maybe that's like in the rental car overlooking the ocean while I read next to you. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, instead of being sad and that dad's body needs a little bit more napping or dad's body can only do one event a day, mm-hmm. instead of being mad at his body for not like going out and like getting it, mm-hmm. he can just side with his body and be like, you know what? One thing today is going to be enough. One thing today means I get one more memory when I get home. Yeah. One more of those beautiful Ireland memories that I want so bad. If I have one a day, then I have 14 of them Mm -hmm. versus needing to do 100 things in one day versus needing to like do all the things. I bet you stepping out of that airport and him being in Ireland and going into one pub is going to satisfy your 75-year-old dad's dreams that he gets to have, you know, before his whole journey is up, right? Because we don't know when our journey is up. We don't know if it's going to last another 100 years or if it's going to be tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So, like, what are the cool compromises you can make that actually empower him versus make him feel bad about his body being a little more tired or his body not being able to accomplish these certain things, we could just be like, it's all good, Dan. I don't want to climb that (laughs) 2,000 stair thing anyway. Let's stay at the bottom. That's right. At the bottom. (laughs) Let's look up at this beautiful mountain. Let's look over at the beautiful ocean. And that's enough. Mm -hmm. And that's enough. Gina, what brilliant advice. And Ali, I think you have to maybe also look at it like Gina's suggesting is like, I'll be back. I'll be back with my best friend or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I'll climb the tower. Yes. But instead, you're going to check off all these bucket lists for dad Mm -hmm. that are just going to look a little more chill. Just you're going to do them a little more chill. You're going to maybe just do maybe three of them versus 10. I think it's so smart you guys are doing two weeks. Too. Yeah. Because you have all that padding, then you have that time to like Gina suggesting not packing too much at all, like take that pressure off. Yeah. Because you'll be back. And I love, Gina, your suggestion of sort of like, hey, you're going to get your reward. We'll get dessert over there. Yeah. Save it for Ireland, Dad. Save it for Ireland. Yeah, that's great advice. He'll feel a little better. He'll feel a little more energetic and it'll be so exciting. And have you given him the whole itinerary and everything? I've given him kind of the layout so he knows where we'll be traveling each day. I haven't packed too much into each day because I'm like, okay, well, I would like to spend the day in like Cork and, you know, we're going to see what we see. Yep. Yeah. So he's got that kind of like rough outline of what we're going to do. So I would, if you're into it and you have the time, I would Mm -hmm. like look up like, here's a selection of restaurants in Cork or whatever. Like what would Mm -hmm. be fun? That will keep him motivated to take care of himself a little bit, you know? Like if you keep feeding him little bits like each day of like, Mm -hmm. do we want to see those cliffs or do we want to see these cliffs? Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. That's smart because that visual motivation is going to be exciting. Yeah. 
Yeah. Have you guys already like booked everything? I just love this so much. Yeah. I've picked out quite a few Airbnbs so that we have like, you know, our first destination and then we're going to do things around there. And then our second destination, we'll do stuff around there. So yeah. Maybe when you can, if there's anything iffy in terms of lodging that you're uncertain about or whatever, maybe you can call the host and say, hey, I'm traveling with my older father. I just wanted you to be aware. Is there anything that I should know? And I bet people will go above and beyond to kind of help extend themselves to you. You know, my dad's always wanted to go to Ireland. That's like a great line. Yeah. And the Irish are good people. I loved, loved the people. Everybody was loving and kind and just giving. And the island vibes are so present. And everything is so visually stunning, Allie, that even if you guys just went and sat outside, like, it's going to be so gorgeous. You know, even if at last minute you have to cancel everything, but just sitting Mm -hmm. with your dad at the hotel, like, outdoor area. Yeah. I think it's going to be worth it because you know what is, like, the most incredible thing of these two weeks is you being with your dad. Yeah. Like, who gives a shit what you do? Who cares where you're at, right? Like, Mm -hmm. what you guys accomplish, what you don't. Who cares? You're going to talk to your dad. You're going to have him in spaces where he gets to share his memories that maybe he hasn't thought of before. And, like, Mm -hmm. you're going to be able to just connect with him solo. You clearly have siblings. So now you get to have, like, solo time with dad. Mm -hmm. And that— That's going to be the coolest of all of it. And if dad sleeps for, you know, a week and a half of it, like you did something for dad and you gave him something that he wished he had and you fulfilled a dream of his. And then you got some extra QT with pops. It's going to be amazing. I would just try to prep yourself for being really patient. And if you and your dad, if he does anything that kind of... I don't know. In all of our relationships, there are certain triggers with people, whatever. If you can just think about those times when he gets a little grumpy or he's maybe a little judgmental or Mm -hmm. maybe he's antiquated in some way, just anticipate that those moments will probably happen and you will just be able to clock them. Gina was saying when we were talking earlier about I wanted to steal it, Gina. It was so good. It's like kind of the choice is ours in most scenarios. And I think yeah. that if you are actively prepared, that your choice is like patience and love. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you go get that pint or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I definitely built in uh, like rest days so that we don't have to like spend the entire day together. Good for you. Because I will definitely need to refill my patience with him. So, Yeah. Well, that's beautiful self-care. The fact that you're so aware of that already goes to what Anna said. And you're going to have those moments and be like, oh, I need a minute. I'm going to go walk the block, Dad. I need a minute. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it sounds like you have a beautiful relationship with your dad, Allie. Yeah. It feels like I'm giving you very unneeded advice. (laughs) No, I really appreciate it. I was like, your advice is helping me because it's so true. It's just like being aware of those moments. Because you're so right. Like, the more you're aware of the things that trigger you or the people that you love, the more you can, like, handle those circumstances when they come up. So, diversion. Thanks for that. I needed that. I needed that. Yeah. Like, look over here. (laughs) (laughs) And also, you're right about, like, preparing somebody for what's in store does give them more allowance to, like, have a better reaction when the time comes. That's really a good point. Yeah. Allie, what do you think? I mean, we just want to go to... We just want to go with you to Ireland. I think you're going to have a fabulous time. I think you're going to have a fabulous time. This is great advice. I really like Gina's idea of just like, you know, 
let's cut this out that we can do more when we're there. And then I really appreciate Anna, you saying just like choosing patience and, you know, the diversion. This is a huge gift for your dad that you're giving. And he might not always treat it like that, but it really, really is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a gift for you, but it's really like, this is an enormous, unforgettable present for your dad. Allie, I really hope that you guys go and have a fabulous time. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I would call him. I would call him today and I would say, Dad, I'm really excited to go. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And I promise you we're going to rest. They have good health care there. We're going to (laughs) be fine. Fine. We're going to just have an awesome time and then enact Gina's plan slowly. You know, like, hey, what do you think about this idea? Because I want to feel like super energetic too. Yeah. And I want to get wasted with you, dad, at a pub. Yeah. So we got to wait. Yeah. So we have to wait. Allie, here's a practical piece of advice too. I would order some travel books. Because you'll get much more in-depth, much more interesting advice. Yeah, that's smart. I like that. He'll like thumbing through those books. It's so fun. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. There's one in particular that I used when I was in Ireland that was like the best one. And I'm trying to... Frommers? Yes, F. Frommers. From, yeah. Frommers? Okay. There's Frommers, Fodders, Lonely Planet, Moon, Rick Steves. They're all good. Wow. I listen. Oh, look at this guide writer over here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's the Fromers one. That's the one. Yeah. Fromers. Okay. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. And Rick Steves is great too. But check them out. Get some books. Have fun. Have a blast. Have fun. Oh, thank you. Last thing. Something I love to do when I'm in places I've never been before is ask a local what they would do tonight. Totally. Oh, it's my favorite thing to do. That's good. And then they're like, oh, there's this amazing... Oh, I love the... And I always will follow a local suggestion like, oh, you need to go to this place two blocks down. It's so good. They might point you in a direction you never would have gone in. Yeah, that's great. Oh, I love that. Oh, have a blast. Yeah, have a blast, Allie. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys talking to me and giving me the advice that's given me a lot to think about. Allie, thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye, Allie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Gina, what amazing advice you gave. What amazing advice you give. I'm like, that is exactly it. It's preparing yourself for the things so that when they come up, you're not like responsive or reactive. That's so smart. You had this huge grin. You were just like, I think you should go. She's got to go. You know she got to go. 
Yes. Your 75-year-old dad wants to go to Ireland. You go to fucking Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you nap the whole damn time. Totally. That was the best part is sort of relieving the pressure of having to do 80 things because you're there or whatever. Yeah. That's the one part of traveling I have actively worked on where it's like, I'm going to go to a place and I'm not going to be upset at myself if I don't do like everything under the sun or, you know, now I go to places. I'm like, I just want to chill here. Where would you want to go? Italy. Yeah, me too. Totally. Yeah. Are you it. kidding? Like Tuscany. I know. Like, let's go to Lake Yoma. Like, are we serious? You know, know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's go to Sicily. I want to go to the Amalfi Coast. Like, I want to go everywhere. That country is stunning. Yes. Okay. So now we're going to talk with Alex. Hi, Alex. Hey, Alex. Hello. How are you, Alex? I'm good, thank you. I've had a lovely little morning, just oh, good, chilling out. So it's been nice. <laughs> and you're in Australia right now. I am. I am. I'm in Melbourne. Wow. Oh, I want to go so bad. I've never been. It's oh, beautiful. I literally dream of going to Australia. I know. It's hard at the moment, but at some point, come on down. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for writing in. Will you tell us what's going on? It feels like a lot. Does feel like a lot, and I kind of don't know where to even begin because I kind of can't get my mind around it either. I'm 30, I'm single, and I've been single for like quite a while now, and I'm just kind of going through this thing of how do I go out and meet someone, and how do I get back into that kind of thing? What's kind of happened for me over the last two years is that I've been working overseas. I was living in Japan, and with COVID, they decided to cut my job. So I had to fly back to Australia in March last year. And then with everything going on in the world, we went into lockdown, which was so hard. Like we couldn't travel more than five kilometers from our house. We weren't allowed outside of our house between 9 p.m. and 5 a.m. And you're with your parents. I'm living with my parents. So with the unexpected coming back to Australia, I was like, I have nowhere to go. So came here. And we pretty much went into lockdown maybe five weeks after I got back. So it kind of was very sudden. Like I managed to find a job, but unfortunately it's in retail. So with lockdown, everything was closed. So I didn't work the entire time. So I'm like, I'm able to find a place, but I kind of didn't want to find my own place when I wasn't getting any income. So I like, how am I going to pay my rent and do all of that kind of stuff? So yeah. Oh, it sounds really stressful. Yeah. It's one of the things that It's been really interesting coming home because all of my friends, like I'm still really good friends with all of my high school friends and they're all at a very different stage of life. To me, most of them are engaged. Some of them are married. Some of them are pregnant. Some have had children. So they're all buying houses. So I'm coming back in being... Oh, so of course you're comparing all the time. You can't help it. Yeah. It's really like shines a spotlight on like, well, what am I up to? Yeah, exactly. And I can't contribute to conversations because I... (laughs) I'm just not in the same place. I'm not advocating for you breaking up with any friends. My first piece before we get into kind of relationship stuff, I wonder about cultivating newer friendships. Yeah, I've definitely thought about that. They're going to be having babies soon and they're going to be going through divorces. And then, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you're like, they're just going to get to the divorce part sooner than you are. (laughs) And they're going to get to... (laughs) Then they're going to get married again. And you're going to be like, I have to go to your destination wedding. (laughs) (laughs) So just keep that in mind, Alex. I will. The thing that I, like, I'm a performer 
and like all of my friends that I've made while working overseas, because I've been doing performing jobs overseas, have all been performers as well. So they've been the people that have been like in the same boat as me. We're really similar. We get along really well. But then they're all overseas and I'm in Australia and I'm like, oh, my friends are in America. Right. So like the people that really get me and the people that I feel really close to and connected to and kind of have a similar lifestyle don't live here. So coming back here again, which I think kind of leads into the relationship thing, makes me feel like I'm like back in my childhood room. I feel like I'm 16 again and I'm like, right. Like, how do I get out of that mindset? Yeah. Are you dating at all? Because everybody's feeling really stuck right now. Yeah. I feel like I'm not. I'm on one dating app and I truly hate it with a yeah. deep burning passion. It just makes you feel kind of bad, right? Oh, it's so icky. It's gross. I kind of, oh, I hate it because it's not like a genuine meeting people. The people that I've dated before, like the people that I dated overseas, we kind of had just met somewhere and had a conversation and it was really like genuine and authentic and it was nice. But like seeing just someone on a screen and then being like, oh, your photos are okay. I know. It seems really inauthentic and I kind of hate it. Yeah. And you miss performing. I do. Will you tell us about your performing? What do you do? So I'm trained in music theatre, but for the last five years, I've been working at Universal Studios. So I worked in Singapore for three years and then I've just worked in Japan. I was playing Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) So fun. So that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like a fun little character. So it feels like there's like a few things that are happening currently in your life that if we look at it with logic, right? If we look at it rationally versus emotionally, we can say like these will all resolve itself when life starts to come back to its normality or what we consider normal, right? So I feel like what's really exciting for the situation that you're in is that it's not permanent. It's 100% temporary. It's like a super long layover. It's like a super long layover. It's like an annoying jet lag. You know, there is light at the end of the tunnel because you are stunning, cool. Like within a few minutes, you're like very cool personality. You're obviously a beautiful woman, a cool human being. So I can't imagine it'll be difficult to find somebody awesome when you're in a circumstance that's more appropriate to finding somebody awesome. Because I think you're right. I think dating apps are only difficult because we have been taught dating through the lens of like Instagram or Twitter, right? So like these things came up and it's scroll, scroll, scroll. And like we've been taught conditioned to scroll, scroll, scroll by people's faces and look at people and judge them versus like pictures. And that doesn't work for you. And that doesn't work for most people. And I agree with you. It is super inauthentic. And it is just a unfortunate circumstance that you're in currently because you can't go out and like meet somebody normally. You know, so like performance is going to come back and that's going to be so much fun when you're like, guess what, mom and dad, I'm out. Singapore is calling because that's going to happen. Yeah. And it is going to happen that you're eventually going to be able to get out of these dating apps and into the real world and see real people and connect with other performers. So those things are all like that kind of shitty circumstance is super temporary, thank goodness, right? And you're healthy and you're smart and you got parents that'll let you come back to their house. So that's like, you know what I'm saying? Like... (laughs) Oh, my God. When we were in the pandemic, I was like, if this happened 20 years ago, growing up so poor, that I was like, we would have been in a lot of trouble. And how I just am so grateful that it happened now versus like in a time in my life that I couldn't. I couldn't withstand it. And so the circumstances kind of surrounding you are you're not alone in feeling them. You know, like my assistant who's 
incredible. She's 25. She's young. She just got out of college and she hasn't been able to date for two years either or meet anybody. And she hates apps as well, just like you. And she's got everything going for her and nowhere to put it. (laughs) Like, you know, and so like very much so it is an unfortunate circumstance of where we are in our timeline of life, which sucks. Now, for you, I'm not worried, Alex. You're pretty <laughs> awesome. Thank You're, you. you know, like, now, mind you, that does not devalue your feelings. They're very real and they're very valid. And feeling alone and tending towards depression is very real and you are definitely not alone. Mm-hmm. Truly, what Gina is saying, it validates our feelings essentially on a societal level, knowing that you're just not alone, that so many yeah. people have put a lot of pressure on themselves to get things figured out somehow or feeling bad that they haven't gotten things figured out or whatever. But I will say like, you know, you were discussing about how like your friends are either like married or they're having babies or they're like, whatever. Um, I'm 37 years old. I got married at 35. My two older sisters got married before they turned 30. One has four children. The other one has three children. I am so far behind, right? I'm exactly where I need to be, Alex, because I get to watch them. I get to watch all their mistakes. Totally. You get to watch all your homegirls and be like, I'm not doing that. I'm doing that. I'm definitely not doing that. I'm 100% doing that. And so you get to use this not as like a, because I get that perspective. My grandmother used to tell me she was going to die before I got married. Finally, I was like, yeah, you probably will. So like back off. (laughs) Yeah. Like eventually I had to be like, woman, this is rude and this is manipulative and it's painful. Like you're hurting me because I'm not going to make this partner just fabricate out of thin air and like marry this person. Like I have to find this person. And trick of the trade, I think as we all know it, when you stop looking, that's when they show up. Quite literally for anything in life. I mean, like, depends on what religion you are, but it's like, there's a saying in every religion. In Christianity, it's like, leave it at God's feet. In Buddhism, it's like, let it go and you'll never struggle. Like, every faith has a mantra in this perspective because it's so true. It's like, nature helps you figure it out once you're, like, aware of what you want, and then you kind of let go of the way it happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I didn't know it was going to look like that, but hey, I'm digging it. I didn't know— Oh, all of a sudden, like, my friend from high school is hitting me. I never liked him before. Oh, wait, we're kicking it now? All of a sudden, I'm like, wait, I kind of dig you more than I ever thought I would. You know, it's like, that's when things happen is when we let go of them needing to happen right now. Yeah. And that's what happened in my career. Like, when it talks about acting, like, I didn't hit it until I was, like, almost 30 years old. And I was playing much younger. So people were like, oh, you're right out of college. I'm like, no, bitch, I'm 30. (laughs) Like, took me forever to hit it. But before I booked my first big job, like, the one that kind of set my career, career. I literally said, I'm done deciding what this looks like. I'm done worrying about it happening tomorrow. I'm going to give over to the story that I don't have control over. And the little bits I do, I'll contribute. And all the other bits I'm going to let go of. So like how you meet your bomb ass partner, you don't know who they are, what body they end up being in. You're going to love it when it shows up and you're going to be ready for it because you're going to be like, I do want this. Because you'll be in a place where you are like, yeah, I feel happy. I feel like ready. I feel fulfilled in this area. And, you know, my spirit is kind of lifted. I'm ready to, you know, smile at somebody. Yeah. I think the thing about the 30s that's wonderful, too, is you really start to refine some things. Oh, like Mm. the recognition of if something makes me feel bad, 
I don't want to necessarily do that. Like for me, the simple example is looking at women's magazines. Like when I was younger, I was always like, God, why do I feel so bad about myself now? Like I felt something in my gut, like behind my heart or something like deflated. And I feel like the dating app may make you feel that way as well. And so sort of expanding on that idea when it comes to relationships too. Like, am I feeling kind of low most of the time? Am I arguing in a way that I don't like where I don't even like myself, you know? Mm-hmm. As soon as you get back, will you be able to get back, do you think? Like, how can you be proactive today in terms of career? Yeah, I think for me at the moment, it's just deciding where I want to go and that kind of thing, because I've always liked acting and doing that kind of thing. But getting to a point now of being 30 and being like, well, I haven't done anything. So how much do I really want to pursue it? Do I want to kind of put it on a back burner and have it as a hobby and do something else? Speaking to the idea of like, what have I done? We're familiar with this and turns out, Alex, there's no finish line. Yep. And there's no requirements either, right? Yeah. You have to kind of reframe, I think, anything in the entertainment industry. Make your own path. Yeah. If you're enjoying the work, then who cares, right? Yeah. There are two perspectives to take in this like blank slate of a moment for you. Because right now it's what's sounding like I can do anything. I don't have to do what I used to do. I could do something else. I need to get a job so I can figure out getting out of my childhood home so I can remove myself from that stage of my life, right? In your head, because it's definitely mental. We all know that. We know how to do that to ourselves. And then I don't have a partner yet, but I would like a fun partner. So in this blank slate, it could feel like, oh, shit, like, what am I supposed to do? Or, oh, shit, I can do anything. Yeah. No kids, no husband, no mortgage. Yeah, I have nothing tying me down. It's brilliant. Nothing. (laughs) Yeah. You can leave tomorrow to any country and work in Universal Studios and see where that journeys you to. But another thing, oh, and I hate that I'm about to say this. I hate that I'm going to say this because it's my least favorite time. My least favorite time is being alone. I have to be honest. I hate being alone. And I'm not talking about like without a partner. I'm talking about being alone in general. I like my friends or my cousins nearby or like my parents or my dog. Dogs, being alone is very hard for me. So I know it's something I have to work on. And I know I have to work on it because I don't want to hear the things that I want to tell myself when I'm alone. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I hate that I'm saying this is that you just have like a bomb opportunity right now to do what Anna said, which is start filtering the things you do and don't want in your life. Because the older you get, the more clear it gets. I will never be able to deal with so and so and so and this and this and this. These are things that don't make me feel good. I don't want a partner that does this to me. Where when we're in our 20s, you're like, just love me. I'll do anything. I'll be anybody you want me to be. (laughs) Like, just love me. Somebody, please just love me. And I went through that for way too long. But the second I got into a space where I'm like, no, that's okay. I want to be loved in return this way. Mm. And the clarity, oddly, calls that person to you. I believe in the mystical. But I believe if you start saying like, this is what I want. This is what I want it to look like. It starts forming somewhere in the world. It's going to start forming. It's almost like if you force yourself to smile, it does make you happier. And like as you maybe reach out to your friends that are still in the entertainment industry, if you want to still explore that, you just kind of have to trick your brain for a minute. Your narrative has been failure, 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 failure. Now what? You know? Yeah. And when it should be 
world of opportunity that my friends don't have. Yeah, exactly. So as you kind of reach out, instead of saying like, I'm going crazy or whatever, say, I so miss performing. Like that was like some of the best times of my life. I want to get back out there. Do you know of any opportunities? I miss you guys. I really miss all those crazy ass tourists. You know, like, yeah, really consciously reframe how you talk about your position in life, because then you'll trick your brain eventually. You know, you say that kind of thing like four times and you'll buy it. And then you will be getting to this place of being unstuck. Yeah, that's so on point because it is just a choice. The narrative is a choice and you nailed it because either can be just as truthful as you make it to yourself. So yeah. that was really on point. You have a long ass layover. That's all. Your flight was really <laughs> delayed. <laughs> we were all there with you too in the terminal. Yeah, I think it's just in terms of what I feel like I need to do going on would be like focusing on things that I want to do and things that make me happy and living in myself as opposed to trying to live into an idea of what I think I want. Oh, yeah. I love this. Totally. Yeah. You're the hero of your story. Yeah. How often we put ourselves in like the supporting role. We are the fucking heroines of our story. Yeah. We are the lead actors. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's about us, you know? And you'll find somebody that supports that too. Yeah, exactly. And they'll be the lead of their story. And then you guys can have two stories running instead of one. Yeah. And that's always fun. Yeah. I'm excited for your life. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. You have nothing but opportunity and you're just going to stun the world. I'm stoked for you. I'm excited. It's kind of that like stepping off the cliff of like, who knows what's going to happen next? Jump. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. There's a net. You put it there. That's the coolest part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do what you love and then, you know, focus on not change, but a shift of narrative, you know? Yeah. You've got freedom. Freedom. Yes. <laughs> like, I've got so much freedom. You really do. You really do. I can go yeah. Literally anywhere. <laughs> you can. Alex, I hope that we helped give you some things to kind of chew on, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's all things that have kind of crossed my mind. But, you know, when it's in your own mind, you kind of don't believe it until someone says it to you. So hearing someone else kind of say it really cements it and makes me go, okay, it's time to like focus on it. Alex, I can't wait for all the great things you're going to do. You rock, Alex. I mean it. (laughs) I agree. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for all of your advice. Thank you. Don't forget the world's yours. I'll do it. It's going to be great. Yeah. Own it, queen. Own it. (laughs) Thank you so much. Bye, Alex. Bye, Alex. Thank you. Gina, you are just so wonderful at this. No, you are wonderful at this. This is so dope. This is fun. I can see why you enjoy this. I do. It's all about talking to strangers. Gina, what's the name of the thing you directed? I have two projects. One project is out right now. It's a podcast. It's called Last Known Position. It's super dope. It's a serial podcast about a submarine pilot who gets asked to go on this mission. And there is a sea creature that they're actually um, hunting instead of like this plane that they are perceived to be hunting is like this plane that fell. It was super dope. It's with this company called Q Code Media. And I'm going to work with them more. I'm a really big fan of them. Oh, good. Yeah, they're very artist first, artist friendly 
differently and really about making what the artist intended. So that's very exciting. And I dig podcasts because I'm a big road tripper. So I love to listen to shit in the car. Yes, I love. I love narratives. I love trivia. Just like opening up your perspective. Big, big fan of that. I then have a project coming out on Amazon, which is a rom-com called I Want You Back. And it's with Charlie Day, Jenny Slate, Scott Eastwood, Manny Jacinto. Oh, what a great cast. Yeah, it was a sexy, sexy cast because Charlie and Jenny are so funny. Really, really strong rom-com directed by Jason Orley who was like trained by Nancy Myers. Really strong filmmaker. I'm really big fan of him. It was very loving and really dope because he knew that I was directing. I haven't directed a film yet, but I will. But he was really awesome because he'd be like, hey, come over here. Like, what would you do? Would you do this? Or what do you think about this? And I just found it so awesome that he knew I had a desire for that and like brought me in and like wasn't egomaniacal. He was so generous. He had zero ego. He wasn't afraid. He wanted my opinion. He like respected my opinion. I was like, what is even happening? So I got to learn a lot from Jason because Jason actually wasn't afraid to let me in. He just made me feel like my opinion was like well-received and respected. And I, I really enjoyed that. How rad. Yeah. I believe ego is the death of talent. And so I am empowered by people that leave their ego behind and they just are so generous. Because art can't be done alone. And you only learn through mistakes and you only figure it out if you're able to see it and experience it. And like, you know, I went to NYU for theater and I minored in film because I always wanted to direct and I never saw myself in these spaces. So I kind of put it on the back burner. And now that I have the opportunity, it's always like, who wants to come shadow me? Who wants to come be a part of this? Because you really just have to like be in it to get it. It's not a learned skill. Uh-huh. You have to be in the shit. You have to try. Yeah. You have to like go to war. So that was cool. So those two projects are like the ones that I have going on right now that I love. Gina, I can't thank you enough. And I just think you are so fucking rad. I think you're so fucking rad. <laughs> Lots of love. Bye, Gina. Thank you. Bye. 